Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast. <laughs> Let me start again. No, why not? I started laughing because I saw you laughing. <laughs> Go on. I like how the opening has gradually become just a very uh, FM radio introduction. Yeah, it's clean. Yeah. You are getting really good at the tag. At the start, it was, uh, Jordan, how are you going? Now it's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, where two <laughs> comedians talk like experts on subjects they're definitely not experts on. <laughs> I'm Neil. I'm one of the comedians. I'm joined by Jordan. You may know him as Friendly Geordies. Jordan, how are you doing today? <laughs> are you ready for Adelaide, dude? Yeah. If only there was a career that anyone gave a shit about these days. <laughs> like, you really... You, you you have a skill that is like would have been very fucking good in the 90s. I would have nailed it in the 90s and no one would have seen my skin color. So all of that conversation would have been out of the question. Yeah. <laughs> no. Would have been great. Yeah, Neil, good Aussie name. No, 90s, <laughs> they, those were the days. What? for Things uh, were going well. You know, it was before 9-11. Yeah, it was actually a lot. No, I, well, look, that. Is classic rose-tinted glasses. I mean, like, the 90s was the era of grunge. It was mm. all that music of just being like, you know what's mad? Killing yourself. That that was the vibe didn't of that, kids our age. Didn't that Can start- you imagine growing up with that? True. Yeah, who was there? <laughs> so, like Nirvana and- yeah, I don't, Smashing I don't, Pumpkins, all of that. I don't know the music. Uh, I don't know the music of today. Fuck me. But, I mean, dude, if you thought that emo music was supposed to be about cutting your wrists and everything, like you just just listen to some of that. Really? So, emo was just the pussy version of grunge? I, it's very hard to say which one's more pussy than the other. And I know wow. that that is really sacrilegious because a lot of people really like grunge music. But I think that there's just, like, there's two ways of looking at the 90s. You're right. It's kind of... Like, uh, yeah, it, it seemed more innocent because it was post 9-11. That's definitely true. But there was also just this like really, I'm sad for no reason feeling throughout the entire decade. Do you think it was because it was leading up to the new millennium? Oh, and everyone was just like, Y2K is going to happen. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. What were the poli- Because you always talk about how neoliberalism took took effect in the 80s. Wouldn't it have been great in the 90s then? All the cheap products. Before the before the wages really started going down to hit, yeah, just a, you can buy all these houses, super cheap. You know what it was? It was like, have you watched an eighties movie recently? Uh not recently, but yeah, they've got that very nostalgic and just aspirational vibe to them, don't, don't they? they? Yeah, I mean, look, there is the there's the sub subgenre of just uh, really sick dystopic films, like I guess like your your RoboCops and your Terminators, but yeah. Man, so many of Tom Cruise's movies, for instance, like Cocktail or something, it's just entourage with an even worse plot. And it was awesome. But the thing is, like, I was sitting there and thinking about it. It's just like, how, why aren't movies made like this these days? And you know what the answer is? You just, no one would sincerely be that, like, everything is awesome. Like, there's, you can't do that anymore. They don't have the magic to them that they used to. That innocence isn't there. And that they always had a fantastic soundtrack going throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With those yeah, really epic great. drums. Of yeah. yeah. I have a fear. I reckon if you were American, you would have voted for Reagan in the 80s. Me? Yeah. Well, I could not. Look, if, if you like Tony Robbins, you like Reagan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been a wide-eyed 30-year-old, you know, just trying to get some wealth. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's too Pretty much of this red tape. 
<laughs> this guy was an actor. He knows what he's talking about. Don't you think red tape is so specifically Australian? Like, it's just so whingy. What's the American version of that? Regu- uh, government regulation. I don't know. What is it? Is yeah, it-, it would be that. It's just being like cutting taxes because taxation is theft. It's just taxation is theft is so much more paranoid than red tape. Like red tape is like, oh, fuck, this is annoying. Why do I have to fill this bullshit format? Fuck that. That's what they're tapping into there. Yeah. Australia's laziness. Whereas and you like- know what? They're not. That sentiment is not wrong. I fucking hate forms. <laughs> Man, just these like six page forms for any sort of government thing. Yeah, look, they are oh, annoying. I, I, I want I want social institutions to be funded, but get rid of the fucking form. Like, <laughs> but I don't want to have to do anything. Yeah, can't we like <laughs> fund them properly, but like, not have all the the, the stupid forms? Like <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, dude, it is it is definitely true. Like, I'll, I'll give the liberals this. I shit on them a lot. Man, as soon as they got in, roads and maritime services worked a treat, didn't it? Like it was, it just got so much easier to get to the front of the queue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maritime services. Why'd they combine those two? Roads and maritime. Who the fuck needs a maritime service? Actually, you know what? I could see why liberals would have done that because they all have boats. So yeah. they would have been thinking, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, we need we we need to just synthesize the process of licensing our car and our five yachts. Yeah, oh my god, you're so right. That would have been the whole streamline of it because it's just the thought of that, the fact that you just have to sit there and think like, uh, why are these two things together? I can't remember the abbreviation of this. Yeah, it's it's it has to be that. It's just like every time you go to Cronulla, everyone has a boat just parked on the side of the street. Yeah, I mean... It's classic liberal... Cronulla has jet skis, the North Shore and the Northern Beaches, which, again, for our uh, non-Sydney listeners, is just the rich area. They have their, they have a lot of boats. Boating, that's such a rich thing, isn't it? You know you're rich if you know how to use a yacht. If you, yachts, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But that's the whole thing. No, you how know you're rich if yacht. your boat is in the water. That's how you know you're rich. Yeah. You are pov as fuck if it's just like behind your four-wheel drive at home. Yeah, you, you know you're rich if you're not surprised uh, when someone invites you to a yacht party. Whereas if I get invited to a yacht party, I'm like, oh. Yeah, you're that's, right. That's cool. <laughs> Whereas I feel like that's a normal occurrence if you're, if you're loaded. Yeah, the, the general sentiment would be like, why isn't this on a yacht? What else, what else <laughs> a rich thing? Just anything to do with the water. That's like rowing. That's a very private school sport. Yeah. What about this? This is kind of oh, just too cartoonish is, at this I do point. Like, rowing, like uh, polo, yeah. playing playing that game with the croquet Dude. mallet on a horse. <laughs> that was surely just invented to look as rich as you possibly fucking can. Surely, ah, that's just a joke of a game. It is, isn't it? Like- Aren't you affluent enough being on a horse? <laughs> If they hit the fucking thing. What is that thing? It's stupid. It's such a stupid game. No, you're dude, combining golf and horse riding. So you're just yeah. combining the two. No riches. croquet. You're combining. Yeah, it is a croquet mallet, and that is just oh, something man. that like the 19th century aristocracy played. That's it. That's all I played that. Polo. But you put that on top of like oh a God. purebred steed, like some Arabian stallion. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like a caricature of being rich. Yeah. Is that where polo shirts come from? 
to name po- other yeah. ones who why not yeah 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 that's that's what they bring their entire like especially like because it's such a trashy shirt I can't imagine it. What's so great about the shirt that makes it optimal for playing polo? Is it just because it's more breathable? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. The rugby aspect of it? Rugby? Like, it's kind of like a rugby shirt, isn't it? But it's just, like, tied to the sleeves. A polo shirt? I think so. No, rugby... Oh, maybe. Maybe rugby players do wear polo shirts. Um, But actually, you know what? Football jerseys back in the day were collared. There's yeah. no reason yeah. for them to be. <laughs> no. Now they're all that really skin tight, you know, tight fabric showing off the pecs. Well, as they should be. Yeah. They, well, they all they all have gigantic pecs. <laughs> but what do you want? Huh? Yeah. Why not? If you got it, flaunt it. But yeah, polo. I mean, fuck, dude. It's so dude. like just think about the difference in ball games between polo, even soccer, but like definitely polo, and then rugby league. Whereas like polo is just this elegant sport with a helmet like gracefully played on top of a horse where you're, you're like you're just hitting that ball around at the bottom. Dude, rugby league is so much more pov than that, isn't it? Just by its very design. It's just like 20 men going at it. That's the whole game. <laughs> just more or less bashing the shit out it. of each other. And like the and audience was, that's is what pissed it was. off. Yeah. Uh, only in the 80s. Yeah. They always got in the biff. And that, that's what like... True fans of rugby league are pissed off that the Biff isn't back. Yeah. They want it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Every fan. <laughs> not even true fan. <laughs> so you would prefer if you were watching sport and that came out? Of course. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Adds to the drama. Well, it is the drama. Exactly. But the, uh, you know what, man? It's like a test of your medal. Because, no, this is actually a good point that all the commentators make. Now, because... Uh, there are so many rules and penalties given willy nilly. Uh, it actually uh, makes uh, players are able to get away with niggling acts easier. But in the eighties and nineties, if someone you know tackled the halfback late or uh, did something uncomfortable, the other team just punched them and they didn't do it again. <laughs> Whereas now. They keep doing it because the ref might not see it or they get away on a technicality. Far out. So the ref has actually just introduced heaps of red tape. Yeah, well, That's the, 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 bu- yeah, the, bu- the bureaucracy. We need a fucking, we need neoliberalism in rugby league. <laughs> you do! Get rid of the fucking you red do. tape. Holy need, shit. Um, There's very little difference between cut the red tape and bring back the beef. It's the same message. It really is, hey. <laughs> 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 did like did the ref do anything in the eighties? I'm sure they. Was it just a know. show? I, it was like I just in WWE. It. Just I think it was a lot closer to that. <laughs> yeah, and they actually got really bloody heads. Why? Because they just fought each other. Oh, the actual players. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. they really went at it. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, dude, you know you're going to be proud of me. Even though you really shouldn't be proud of me, but I assume that you're the kind of man that would think this is awesome. I went on sports bet. Oh. And I won big. What'd you bet on? The US election. It's the only thing I know anything about, but like, <laughs> I've always just had that thought of like, I shouldn't be betting on this shit because Everyone like, I get it wrong every it. time. Did I? Did you? Lot, all my male friends bet on it. And they all bet Trump, though. I don't know anyone who bet Biden. Why? Because they, they watch Sky News. That's why. Because, oh, like, I even when it was coming. like Trump. Is that it? 
Probably. That is, I don't know what else. I think they people had a are stupid. That are you the polls were wrong, but the polls were actually wrong. They just weren't wrong enough. They weren't wrong enough. How much did you bet? Uh, how much did you don't know? No, you know what happened? I bet a thousand bucks on it because like pretty it, good. So you got a few hundred back. It was exactly at the point where Trump was just winning every every seat because like the mail in ballots hadn't come in, and then they were just being like, "Oh my god, it's a landslide for Trump." Mm-hmm. Did you uh, get did you get nervous? No, it was at that moment that I just bet on Biden because oh, I just remember reading about that red mirage. That's actually clever. Yeah. Yeah, because then Biden's odds would have would have um gone out. What's the betting terminology? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't gamble as uh, as we mentioned in the uh Vice episode, which is something that I should say like you really should have that Vice Neil. As in, You'd I think, think that I you would. would. Well, dude, you know yeah. how you're saying that you just don't want to tour much next year. Dude, just go on sports bet and bet on the NRL. You, you call it. You yeah. should be doing it. You that I've that is your it. politics. That's. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, that, like, I used, to, dude, I used to sit there and like say, you know, sports bet, and it's so stupid how quickly my thing flips. It's like I've had one victory. It's easy, but like, I understand that like gambling you. is evil but it's dude some people like the way that they look at it and they just break down players and they sit there at the odds and just be like i don't know or neil mitchell or some guy like i don't know just like he sprained his ankle okay well i'm just going to be betting on the eagles dude you know what it is it's just it's bogan stock market for some people some people actually sit there with like all the odds all the stats Is it really that different to the stock market? It's not. No. It? It, dude, it really is. Like, if you are doing your research on the teams, what is the difference between you and a stockbroker? That's all a stockbroker is doing is taking educated guesses about companies. That's a fair point. And I just think that you would actually be in that same... You could be some really yobbo stockbroker sitting there just being like, yeah, I'm putting 50 on the yields. Because you, you actually have a knack for it. The neck for what? Just picking the winners, dude. I've never... Have I ever told you which teams I think are going to win? Yes. I remember it. I remember it in Lithgow and you were just saying like, yeah, I thought this one would win. And then like we were watching a game and you were like, this is going to be close. And then like the the dogs will pull through or whatever. It was close and the dogs pulled through. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I know what I'm... I know what I'm talking about. I think I could bet on politics too. Because it's... Dude, it's pretty fucking easy most of the time, isn't it? I... In in the Trump Biden election, I, that's where I just wouldn't have bet because it was so I I couldn't tell because all the polls were saying Biden, but I had an inkling those polls were wrong. I couldn't tell to what degree though, so that's one where I just wouldn't have bet. I mean, if the odds had become particularly juicy for one candidate, I might have put a sneaky bet on one of them. But um, say in the Australian election, that's one in twenty nineteen. I might have bet Liberal there, and that would have been good odds. Yeah, yeah, I because I, I had a feeling um, that the polls would be wrong in a similar way to uh, America twenty sixteen, and they were. I think I've got like a hypothesis to it. I think that the way that you bet, first off, like if it's like a third world country that you're betting on, just see who the CIA is backing, and they'll be right all the time. But like when it comes to our countries or like the US or whatever, yeah. I think that the way to bet on it is actually what Tony Robbins says about elections. I think he's right. It's like 
which candidate makes you feel something. You know what I was thinking about the other day, how we were always talking about the most charismatic candidate always wins. I want to add a little uh, component to that. I think the most charismatic candidate is more likely to win with women. And the candidate, you just, when you picture the average person at the pub, think about which candidate would appeal to them more. And that's the candidate that would more li- would be more likely to appeal to men. So you take into account the most charismatic and the one most likely to appeal to the average guy at the pub. Yeah. And it's not always the same thing, right? Because no, that's say, actually Obama not the may thing. not appeal. I can't imagine Obama necessarily appealing to the average bloke at the pub. Having said that, he appeals more to that guy than uh, Mitt Romney, and that's the American election. But say in Australia... All right, Albo versus ScoMo. Um, that's actually a tough one. No, you know what? Albo, actually, I do I think, think Albo would more appeal charismatic, to charismatic. Yeah, and I also think, um, the the you know the veneer of Scott Morrison being that average Aussie has worn off for me at least. Maybe it hasn't Man, dude, for a lot so, of other people, but but I just don't see it. Like it always no, seems so to me real. Yeah, so forced. forced. I think forced. I think Albanese would have just a slight edge on both of those things. But having said that, um, I don't think he's particularly, uh, you know, he's, he's very charismatic or he's uh, extremely appealing to just your average guy at the pub either. But I think he's just got the edge on ScoMo on both those things. Yeah. But speaking of which, we're going we're to segue into our topic for today. And it is a listener topic. It's coming from one of our top tier subscribers. And subscribe if you want. Go to Neil colehacker.com slash podcast this one comes from adam and it is a question relating to politics and activism so it's more in your uh in your area of expertise okay love your work and the conversations that you guys are having really enjoy the long format and fluid style that you guys use cheers adam what a sweetie i only wish that there were more people like yourselves covering more local issues and topics well that's you i don't do that well, I don't cover really <laughs> local I, issues. You, you cover local Narendra. issues more than me. You cover, cover the most oh, shit, local you're right. shit ever. <laughs> I never cover <laughs> local issues. What are you talking about? I talk about. <laughs> I, I know more <laughs> about uh, American politics than uh, than like my local council, which is really bad. But it's, it's, it's so boring. Um, so I think you're just talking about you there. Uh, I grew up and currently live in Tasmania. I don't know how much you know about Tassie, but its government is so fucking corrupt. None of it is covered. There is like three degrees of separation down here. Uh, open bracket. The stories you might have heard about us Tasmanians aren't true. I promise. Ha ha. Close bracket. Dude, you, Better put a wink there. The fact that you said that makes me believe that it is true. Yeah, it's very defensive. Ha ha. We're not inbred. Ha ha. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, where's the genetics test, man? And because of this, the place runs on nepotism. I don't think that I, I, that would probably be politics anywhere, right? Maybe it's more pronounced in Tasmania. No, I would imagine it would be. Okay. So anyway. So, but he is saying there that like it was because of the incest society of Tasmania that it is. You are just, you're really spilling the beans here. But then technically everyone's part of the same, because if the if everyone's part of the same family in Tasmania, it's nepotism for everyone. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, no, it's, well, he's not wrong, is he? It's a very fair nepotism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, anyway, my topic that I would like you guys to cover is the blueprint for local commentary slash activism. I've played with the idea of starting something myself, but it always didn't feel like I knew enough to get started. The potential fallback with going public with something and risking your livelihood is daunting. However, my growing frustra- 
frustration with things I see and hear around me has motivated me, me to write this email. All right, so the blueprint for local commentary slash activism. That's a... That's one for, for you, I guess, but I don't, <laughs> that's, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I think what you've done with the, with the Common Sense Brigade, with that whole meme page that you've got going, is a, is a great blueprint for not only the 21st century, but for the 2020s for right now. Because what you've done is you've sort of weaponized the autism of some of your followers oh, yeah. to create these memes that have worked. They may have swayed the Queensland election. I mean, dude, well done. <laughs> dude, seriously. Did I tell you this? I don't know if I told you this, but like uh, Biden's campaign was just like, what the fuck is going on here? What? About the common sense brigade. Really? Yeah. No. Yes. Yes. Fuck off. Isn't that incredible? What happened? Did one of his staffers actually contact you? Not me. Because they're, like, in contact because they're sister parties of Democrats and Labor. So, they kind of just switch, like, campaigning strategies with each other all the time. And they just contacted the Federal Labor Office and they were just like, have you seen this Common Sense Brigade thing? And they were just like, yeah. And they were just like, are you running that? And, we're just, and they were just like, no, that's, like, an organic thing. And they were just like, holy shit, what's going on there? Like, and then they, they were, like, really interested in it because it's organic. Like, Pete, do political... Can- yeah, yeah. Well done. <laughs> dude, that's just- incredible it's it's the stuff of dreams political yeah. campaigns crave some kind of organic meme generator because that was like that was a big thing about the difference between biden and clinton right it's just like this actually is a definite factor in if somebody is an electable candidate now are they memeable and if they're memeable okay. it means they're likable are they memeable in a positive light because you can be because clinton got a lot of negative memes yeah, that's okay. That's what I mean when I'm saying like memeable, as in like you're paying them out, but it's coming from a place of love. It's yeah, not like yeah, a. Yeah. Don't you think that that was like a huge part of Donald Trump's image and uh, the the way that he just like uh, just shot to the top was because there was just that four chanty little group there. But I mean, yeah. not even little. We're talking hundreds of thousands of nerds, and we're talking about even just four years ago, where a lot of people wouldn't have been as uh, educated and know as much about the ins and outs of the internet. Whereas things have changed drastically in just four years. Yeah, and the amount of boomers now on Facebook—not just boomers, the whole population. They probably were on Facebook in 2016, but used it a lot less. Whereas now, I think they get most of their information from um, shared links on either Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media platform they use. Which is the new front line. So I just think that like, uh, if you're doing activism and you're organizing protests or whatever, I think it's just counterproductive. I think that you usually come off looking bad. Most of the people who come to protests don't really know what they're saying. So it's just kind of like this rabble of like uninformed people just yelling. It's not a great look. Man, I agree. I've, I've never really looked at it. I've never been swayed on an issue because of I saw a protest. Every time. No like... one has ever been swayed <laughs> because of a fucking protest. Man. It works. It does the opposite. I understand that like uh, that was what you did back in the day because it was the only way that you could get on the news if there was like 50,000 people that held up the CBD. 
But now I think that we are in the age of Cambridge Analytica. Mm. That's what we should be doing now. And so if you are sitting there saying, what should I be doing? I think that that's exactly what Neil was saying is that the if, if, if Biden's campaign was interested in the common sense brigade, that's insane, you should be interested I, in that blueprint. I can't get over that. Cause did they ask for any advice or do they want to talk to you further? It wasn't so much that they were looking for advice. They were just interested in how this like massive army organically popped up. I mean, debatable as to whether it's organic because I was just saying like everybody joined this side or whatever. But the thing is that it wasn't controlled by a campaign. There's no money involved, right? There's no, there's not a cent involved. And so it was doing... Huge yeah. damage to the electoral chances of the LMP, <laughs> and we didn't insane. spend a cent. <laughs> <laughs> nah, seriously. Well, like that's I'm lost for words. And the other thing is that you can get people to organise well stuff done. as well, because that's what we were doing in uh, in the Common Sense Brigade. We were saying, uh, look, just print out these flyers yourself. Just make fifty of these printers, and then just let a bomb your local area just put out this information here this is what this electorate is concerned with give them the facts yeah and so they do that themselves and again that is something that normally would cost like 20 grand because you'd just be saying you'd get all the flyers organized like you'd have to get some uh something from the aec but this is all just like that organic that you're just saying to one person go out and do this what's so wonderful about memes is that they they incorporate humor so a lot of people who might be centrists or sit on the fence, if they see a really emotionally charged message, that can actually turn them off. Whereas if it's coming across as quite lighthearted or humorous or it's sort of mocking the other side, that can, um, I can only imagine that that will speak to them on a subconscious level. Mm. More so than just aggressive, heated attack yeah. towards the other side. Yeah. So. So I guess he should start a Tasmanian common sense brigade. You absolutely should. You um, really should start that. But if he's... I don't, how does he fight against the nepotism? Because that doesn't sound like it... Well, I wouldn't know if, if it's pronounced in one political party more than another. But it could just be the whole government is nepotistic. Both Labour, Liberal, Greens. I, I don't know. Well, but it's just the nature of humans, isn't it? It's true. just like you're always just going to go with whoever you know. Especially things like politics and media. Yeah, media is just rife with it, isn't it? It is. Uh, like, it's just amazing how many people I know that it's just like, yeah, my dad's an exec at Channel 9. What do you do? Yeah, I'm an editor at Channel 9. Just, yeah, uh, probably going to go for a board job in like a couple of years. It's always the case. Everyone I know that works at Channel 9 or the ABC had a parent there. There's not really a lot you can do about nepotism, is there? I mean, what what can you can you can you bring in laws that say, you know, a family member cannot be given an unfair advantage, but then how do you police that? And I just think like you just said, nepotism is a very unfortunate consequence of human nature. Mm. I I don't know. I mean, when if we if we're talking about corruption, so a politician's, you know, giving deals to someone in their family or even just a friend uh, when they should be giving it to a more, you know, letting other firms and businesses compete for the contract or whatever it may be. How do you prevent against that? Or ca can you? I mean... So, like, you know, the, you know what's really sad? Because there is a bunch of laws 
that are currently in place in New South Wales, for instance, is a classic example because this is right up John Barillaro's alley. The only thing that really stops that is someone's character. If they're just going to sit there and say, I'm not going to preference my friend in this contract. Whereas somebody like, yeah, well, like there's laws there that are saying that you can't do that. But then they're just going to go into court and say, what, what? He put in the best offer. So I just gave it to him. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I'm related to him. Gosh. So that's all you've got, really. I think that you're exactly right in that this is just part and parcel of humanity. And so I think that there's just a couple of things that you should understand about it, which is uh, don't get mad about it. Groove on it. Accept that you're not in it. And then you're just going to have to build your own thing. And I think that as a result of you building your own thing, it's going to be better than just getting into that role anyway because then you just uh, take on the institution as it is and you just become another cog in it because that's the whole thing about these people that have these nepotistic jobs. Yeah. They might have power per se, but like they're only there because they're fitting the mould of what that machine is currently exporting. So they're not really... They don't really... The power is elusive, The salary might not be elusive. It might be awesome. But in terms of what their actual impact is, it's extremely limited to what the actual organization does. Mm. So they're just like, they're just getting slotted in because they know somebody there. I think that uh, as, as a campaigner, you shouldn't really be worried about nepotism so much as you should be worried about getting in the right kind of nepotism. Because I think you are right. Like if you if you look into the Labor Party, there's there's royal Labor families like the Beasleys and the Creens, and mm. they exist, and the Fitzgibbons. They they they're definitely legacy families in all political parties. Uh-huh. Uh So yeah, if you're in in Tasmania, that would definitely be step one. This is the other step that I'm trying to wrestle with at the moment, but I just need to find an editor to do it. I think that the way of the future is also to just start newspapers, start online newspapers. Mm, do people read, uh, like, blogs? What do you mean by online newspaper? Oh, I just mean I potentially would like it to get to something that's, like, uh, you know, obviously as big as The Guardian or something. But yeah, okay. the, the reason that you want that, the reason that you want that newspaper there is because you want to be constantly flooding people with sources that they can just say, like, instead of like, I heard this, they can be like, look, there it is. You know, yeah, okay. you want it, and, and the thing is, that's what's so much better about a newspaper as opposed to what I do is that I'm limited by just making three videos a week because that's just the amount of manpower and hours that I have that mm-hmm. I can even devote to that. And even that's pushing it. But with a newspaper, you've got like 20 people that just sit there and they're just like, this happened, here's a counter-argument, boom, there it is. So there's that constant counter-argument there because I know exactly what this guy's talking about. I've looked into Tasmanian politics and always wanted to do videos about it, but you're just so restricted by how little information is there in Tasmania because it's tiny. And so, as he's saying, there's just that legacy media there that just floods that entire fucking region with bullshit from like the MPs because that's how newspapers work, especially local ones. Uh, They never say anything negative about the MPs specifically if they're in power because they have advertising budgets and all they say, like every, like your tax dollars are paying for $130,000 a year for each MP to just spend on campaigning. Mm. And so that's just $130,000 that you can go to a rural advertiser and say like, here's 50 grand a year. If you say anything negative about me, 50 grand gone. 
that's really the way that advertising works. It's very insidious in that sense. It's like, it's not so much say good things about me. It's more don't say bad things about me. It's more hush money. That's how it works. So I think that those would be the two things. If I were you and I was interested in this, I would be starting a newspaper and I would be starting something like the Common Sense Brigade where you would be using it to come up with a node of people that can sit there and just come up with memes to offer as counter arguments into all those boomer Facebook pages so they see that argument. And then you turn it on its head as well because the whole thing is that the narrative is always set up by the press. Yeah, yeah. And you are never going to... You are never going to overcome that narrative because you just don't have the resources. You do not have thousands of people working for you that can just sit there and just spin this into a story. So what you do instead is you look at their narrative and then you make it so that it works for you. A good example of that is how we were just hitting central and northern Queensland with the Libs are preferencing the Greens. Can you believe that? What are they going to make a Queensland into? Just some pot-smoking hippie love fest? Is that, were they preferencing the Greens? Oh, they were preferencing the Greens above Labor. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you just okay. focus on that because that is, but usually that is the narrative that they reverse on the Labor <laughs> Party. It's just like they're preferencing the Greens. But yeah, you can yeah. do that to the Liberals. It's just nobody does it because the, the entire press is just in their corner. But Anything. you can do that and put it into those boomer Facebook pages and they'll just be like, oh, my God. So this is the thing that... and. Any association with out. the Greens will uh, get Toxic, the Toxic, kill you. I said, is, aren't they a bit more prominent in Tasmania? The Greens? Yeah. They are. But the thing is that uh, the reason that they are is because there has been a lot of money invested into them from fairly nefarious groups. And again, like... Oh, yeah, you were talking about this. All parties do it. So people who have a vested interest in keeping the Liberals in power actually give money to the Greens because it siphons votes away from... Labor. Yeah, and now everyone's really just going to sit there and do like, it's called preference voting. I get it. That's not the point. The point is that you get what the aim there is to turn what was originally a Labor safe seat into a marginal seat where they have to fight Greens. So they are then diverting financial resources and manpower away from marginal seats that they should be fighting with the Liberals, which turns those into Liberal strong seats. The only people That's what are, you're working for. The people I know... Who vote Greens are just your classic white girl, bougie white girls. Oh, always. Yeah. Who are they though? Who are like? What, what are mean? their jobs? Ah, uh, a range, but generally, office, uh, sort of lower level management. Um, not any sort of physical labor. I don't know a single. I wouldn't no. think a single person who works with their hands would vote for the Greens. Maybe. Couldn't imagine it. Maybe. Maybe if they're like a conservationist sure or something yes, like that. Yes, that's true. Um, or an arborist. No, no one in, in in a... I can't imagine any tradies or, you know, people in construction. And then again, I could be wrong. If you vote for the Greens and you're in a, in construction, let me know. But the stereotype, <laughs> when I think of Greens voter, I think just, yeah, white girl. They don't want to change the date. <laughs> like that's, that's it. <laughs> Let's That's all the demographic hug each other that they're eating. Yeah. And, and get along. Like, I think, it, look, it's good. It just, it seems quite kind of utopian. Look, I have, granted, I haven't sat down and looked at the specific policies, but it sounds very utopian to me. Well, it's, that's the entire thing. It's just like what people need to understand is that the Greens originally, when they were set up by Bob Brown, was like a noble environmental movement. And that was because the Labor Party used to just ignore environmental uh 
arguments. Uh-huh. The difference is what happened is the Labor Party over time started to recognise the importance of the environment. And actually a lot of that goes to Graham Richardson, which is really strange because now he's just a host on Sky News. But like he, he was the one that kind that, of influenced it. Go- Richo. Really? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know Richo? Because you know I like Sky News. Yeah. But to, like I did like that is Him. that's a really interesting little uh, nugget. That he you know. pushed Labour in towards a green Him. identity. Yeah. Well, there he goes. Isn't that insane? That's, that's absurd. He and was like a real fashion him? boss. What made him go full Sky News? Look, the thing is, also, this is he's got this <laughs> he's got this book called Whatever It Takes, and he is a slimy cunt. But like, <laughs> I like the fact that he's really slimy. He's just got this real like watching it for Graham. You what know, a, what a sick cunt. He is a sick cunt, and so like the whole book is just sitting there, just being like, I joined the Labor Party just because yeah. Uh, I had an in with me dad. Seemed like a bit of fun. Didn't like working the tools. He's <laughs> like that kind of a guy. But he's he's a very smart numbers man. He's he's but he's like yeah. a, a he is like an opportunist, but I do like that about him. Um but and he was just one of those people that just noticed that there was this big vote that they were ignoring. There was and they thought like, oh, okay, we'll just uh, just move into the environment then, shall we? But Wow. Okay, so he wasn't an environmentalist at his core. He just was Machiavellian and wanted more votes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so <laughs> But that was how it started in the Labor Party. But as a result of that, and you know what happens now, I actually talk to a lot of conserva- people that work for conservation foundations, and they say the same thing over and over. If we had our time again, we wouldn't have started a separate party. We would have just infiltrated the Labor Party, which is always what you should be doing. You should always be bringing more people into that other block instead of splintering up the block. It's a very yeah, easy way ha- to lose elections. Unnecessary. Seems unnecessary. And, but well, like the because the, thing- the Greens only came about what in the eighties or something. Yeah. Yeah. Look, they've done very well. Well, Credit they've done them. very well because once the. Uh, once, once the Australian Democrats' vote collapsed, all of the machinery from the Australian Democrats, and the reason that the Australian Democrats collapsed is because they were just filled with a bunch of Graham Richardsons that didn't really stand for much. And so they just moved into the Greens. Okay. And that's what the Greens that's became. Right. It came a party, as Paul Keating says, a party of opportunists and trots, which means that now it's become a party of people of crazies. There's just a lot of insane people in there. Um, like a good example of yeah. that is in Melbourne. It does seem like narcissism masquerading as environmentalism. That's definitely a way of... Put- Look, the, I, 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 I don't want to shit on the I Greens too much because I do understand that there is like a lot of people like Bob Brown that still are in the Greens. And the thing is, Bob Brown is one of the most noble politicians Australia's ever had. That is a truly principled man. But... He what left is- though, didn't he? He's... And he was kicked out from it in its modern incarnation what? for not being green enough. Really? So this is the, yeah, like it's just, it, a lot of it now is to do with the fact that it's branding. It's just like, it's green. And they say like, they have superior policies. Well, let's just look at it in Queensland, for instance. In Queensland, they were saying uh, that they were, they were promising in, in a total tally, $110 billion of new projects in a state that has a $50 billion budget. And they were promising no cuts. So they were just promising a $160 billion budget in a country, in a state that has not even one third of that. And this is the, the Greens. This is the Greens. Yeah. They had no scrutiny from the Murdoch press because the Murdoch press wanted to pincer them in, in South 
Queensland. So they were just running all of these promises that they were having, which is like, we'll start magnetic trains and, and swing buses because that's fun. That, that'll reduce depression or whatever, like all this shit. And it got no scrutiny at all. It's like the kid, the, the, the stereotype of the kid who runs for class president. That's like, oh, I want to put Coca-Cola in the bubbler. Yes. Yes. We all want to live in this, you know, perfectly utopian world where there's plants on every building. Yeah, but where's the money at? Yeah, and it doesn't sound like that's realistic. (laughs) Although maybe I've just been indoctrinated by the uh, Murdoch press. No, I really... Look, there there is definitely an argument to say that, like, sometimes it is called to run deficits, right? Like, you know, if if, like this fucking, for instance, COVID hits or something like that, you should be running huge deficits to keep the economy running over and ticking. And, like, there's this other theory that you can just yeah. continually just keep printing money. But also what happens is countries, things like Mexico. You can turn into Mexico as well if you just keep fucking pushing it in. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yes, there's, like, a there's, a, there's, a there's like some bullshit to the idea that, like, you always have to be in budget. There's definitely bullshit to that. But there's also just, like, dude, you can't just offer, like, you know, three times as much money as there is in the budget and not explain where you're getting the money, what you're cutting, like, well, you can, mm. but the thing is, it's just extremely dishonest and it is just part of this marketing strategy that they have. Um, I think that that's like, <laughs> the, that's, that's, the, that's a big part of like why uh, the Greens in Tasmania has been so effective in keeping Labor out over the last few terms. Um, it's, it's the Greens started in Queensland. I mean, they started in Tasmania. So they do have that natural vote there. And the people, because this is the whole thing. Like I really, everybody everybody in the comments always gets so pissed off when I pay out the Greens. But it's just like this very interesting two-way street where like the Greens seem to be allowed to criticize Labor till like the cows come home. But as soon as you criticize Labor, no, we're on a unity ticket. You can't do that. Um, But they. Yeah, they're like the. They're like the minority of the two. Of the yeah, they are, well, they are. As soon as you, yeah. <laughs> as soon as you criticize them, oh, that's mean. Yeah. <laughs> what are we ever do? Well, they really are the party for white story. girls. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just attack you relentlessly. You say one bad thing about them. Oh, why would you say that? <laughs> I'm not talking to you now. So, like, there's all these, like, myths about them in the sense that they don't take money in donations. That's not true. They just have a sneakier way of doing it. They just get the CEO to donate mm-hmm. huge amounts of money to them. But that's still obviously coming from the company. Now, okay, so, so coming back to uh, this, local commentary and activism. So we've, we're ta- we've said start the common sense, something akin to this common sense brigade in Tasmania. Can we go into maybe some of the psychology of the Common Sense Brigade and just political memes today? What's effective, what's not? Because we touched on it earlier with protests and how I think we're in agreement that they just don't seem effective. I, I just can't see... Look, for me personally, I, I've never... Well, for me, I've never seen a protest on TV and thought, oh, that's swayed me, that's changed my mind. You know, it just does seem like a collective tantrum. More often than not, always. And and in America, with all the, and Australia, all those Black Lives Matter riots. Well, look, we did it. We did a podcast on that months ago. When you look at the statistics, there's no cause for alarm. If anything, you're less likely to be shot by the police if you're black when you account for crime. But yeah, you know, that's don't want to delve into that. Uh, well, we did. Don't want to delve <laughs> into that again. Um, 
And seeing those protests, again, it just seemed like narcissism masquerading as social justice and altruism. Because it's like, look at me, I feel so good about myself because I went to a protest and they always have those same chants. Hey, hey, ho, ho, something, something has got it's to got go. It's got to go. What the? Very creative at this point. What does that do? What? The, the, it doesn't the chant? do anything. It doesn't do anything. No. This is what's, re- you know what's actually sick, man? So, oh, I've got something to tell you. But yeah, but just coming back quickly, when I'm not the average writer. I'm not trying to claim that I am. But when I see a meme... If it's funny, if it's entertaining, and if it's informative, it may, I can assume it's more likely to sway my opinion than just a bunch of people with uh, signs yelling all these slogans that don't really mean anything. This guy, Ryan Long, he did a brilliant sketch about it, talking about how uh, he pretended to be this uh, practical joker who was telling a lot of the people at the Black Lives Matter rallies to do all these things that are going to clearly um sway the general population against the message of the rally so he was like put the communist flag in the rally <laughs> and then he was, like, he was like bring the lgbt flag <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wear the che Guevara t-shirt it's like yeah all that stuff what's that got to do with the rally but at every protest there's always that those you know those symbols there um and whether you agree with them or not, that's fine. But like, it's just so. Ch- why are you, why are you bringing the LGBT flag to a Black Lives Matter rally? You're making it about you. You're like, mm, but this is my issue, and I want it to get attention as well. Like, just, just stop. Like, look, I don't agree with those rallies anyway. But like, if you are going to go to these rallies, stop bringing all these other causes that have nothing to do with the cause that you're protesting for. Yeah, you're right. I, I really it's just so weird to me. Fuck, you're so right. Mass tantrum. Unless they're really yeah. organised, that's what's happening there. It was a great sketch. He's like, oh, they love Engels in the hood. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it's really clever. And oh yeah, really... and there was like, sorry, just there was one image of a girl, uh, white girl, of course, right? Just this line of police. She's naked, and she walks out to the police, sits down in, like, spread eagles, showing her vagina, trying to make some sort of cultural message about how, you know, we can heal with the power of the feminine. I don't even know what she was trying to say, but again, what the fuck does that have to do with police shootings? Again, you're being narcissistic. You're bringing your thing to a rally that has nothing to do with Again, I, I don't agree with the rallies in the first place, but what the fuck does that have to do with it? <laughs> I think all the protests of today just seem to be a little space for everyone who feels discouraged and might not feel included in society, and they can go there and rep whatever cause they want to rep. And so it's this whole conglomerate of people that everyone else hates <laughs> just together yelling things. But again, look, I'm not the average voter, but yeah, I did the protest, obviously. If anything, they sway people in the other well, direction. Well, dude, it definitely happened when I saw it in the US. When I saw everybody like, and they're dancing in the streets of San Francisco at Joe Biden's victory, I was like, nah. Put Trump back in. Just stop the vote there. <laughs> like it was just just to piss them off. Like <laughs> it was exactly what you were saying. It was just all these people being like, Woo! 
still Burning Man on the streets. It's no. not the 60s anymore. Look, the Cultural Revolution <laughs> happened. There's no more revolution. Everyone agrees. No one's there like, yeah, women shouldn't be in work. Like, just shut up. Like, so stupid. Fucking... It's not the 60s anymore. Yeah, like, and look, to be fair as well, like, it, when you see everybody protesting for Trump, it's, it's like... I really doubt anybody in that audience really understands constitutional law. You know, they're, they're the ones that are just sitting there arguing yeah, yeah, about yeah. it, just be like, it's not even constitutional to have these votes if you look at it. It's like, there's no way yeah, yeah. you know that. No, I think that's the whole thing. It's look, just like, anyone, it's, at any project, I'm talking, yeah, I wouldn't, I shouldn't just talk about protests from that side of politics. No, but it is, it is, it is just that. It's just like, as soon as you get into a group, group thing kicks in. It's that classic Buddhist saying of, oh, no, no, Bhagavad Gita saying, I think, which is just like the collective mind is always going to be dumber than any one individual. So everybody's just intelligence goes. Yeah. As soon as they're in a group, because it's just kind of like chickens following somebody just uh, putting a line in the sand. You Mm -hmm. just kind of get hypnotized into whatever the vibe is of the time. because that's how human beings behave. So I'm just saying that I just really think that protests are counterproductive I can't remember the last time they've achieved anything. Everybody always brings up this counter-argument of just being like, well, what about uh, the Eureka Stockade? That wasn't a protest, dude. That wasn't just a bunch of people, as you were saying, just like waving around rainbow flags and shit. That that was like workers barricading themselves in a fort and shooting soldiers. Like that, that, that was a little bit difference in terms of intensity than what the like the modern day protest is. It was pretty much just a civil war. Like unless you're willing to take it to that level, they don't do anything. I think that like yeah, everybody really has know. this nostalgic thought of what happened in the early twenties when it came to came to protest. But it's just like, okay, did a hundred people die on the streets today? No, then it's not that. Yeah. <laughs> Need to move on from the twentieth century, okay? The 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 front lines of ideology, politics, and culture are happening. It's online. Yeah, that's the. If you want to be in the trenches, you got to be making those memes. <laughs> yeah, everyone's so disparaging about keyboard warriors. Dude, they are the true warriors. They are the warriors of the wow. 21st century. Are just little nerds like gaming algorithms. That's the Gallipoli of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> like it's pathetic, but it is more effective. That's what wins elections. So much more effective. So um, uh, yeah, so like yeah, I think that so the, the main psychology of it is actually something that Neil's always talking about, which is that it's all well and good. For me to sit there and be like, how dumb are liberals? Liberals suck. Suck. Fuck liberals. Because, like, what I'm trying to do is create a node of people that you can then funnel into stuff like the Common Sense Brigade. I am not sitting there. It's the same thing as, like, what, uh, you know, like, your Tucker Carlson's uh, doing in the U.S., they're playing to an audience that they are hyper uh, that, that are like you know hyper into it that you can then say now go spread the message. So it's a different mm. game that I'm playing. You're playing the game of just like I, I hate this. I, I remember once like it was so lame. I was like door I was dragged door knocking into the labor like some labor like candidate, and I was just sitting there thinking like fuck this is a waste of time. And it was because everybody was just sitting there just being like you open the door and they're just like go away. And it's like well that was a great Saturday, and again, they're like and and they'd probably get annoyed. They're oh there's fucking labor people again. Yeah, it? I know I'm exactly not vote for them. So go on, sorry, but then I'll say my point. 
they are, I remember as well, like the one chick that was interested in talking to us was some old Armenian lady. And she was just like, I don't like Muslims. I want Muslims out of the country or some shit like that. And the fucking labor people were sitting there just like, that's racist. You can't say that. Dude, her people like experienced a fucking genocide. Like, yeah. I think she's going to be like, I think, I think it's like the war is not like, you're not going to win the war by sitting there and saying like, hashtag not all Muslims. Like she, she's got ingrained in her head being like starving as a kid and probably like a, her family members being shot in the head in front of her or something like that. You're going to sit there and just be like, don't be mean to them. They're not all like that. Dude, just sit there and be like, yeah, cool. What do you think about hospitals? You know, like you just, you, yeah. you don't fuck. If you're trying to convince someone of something, you don't try and convince them with your worldview. You sit there and you say like, here's the thing that we both have in common. Yeah. It's so simple. No, it, it, it really is. Like that's what I was talking about before where I said a political leader that can appeal to the average guy at the pub and can be the more charismatic. I think now I will always bet on that person in every election. I think if you're, talking about political movements right if i can put my mind in say the average voter you don't want to annoy them you know you don't want to come across as whiny and like you're lecturing them you just want to seem like the more reasonable side and then i think you win yeah in a country like australia at least I think anywhere, really. Like, yeah. I think that was the whole... That was a massively different vibe between Biden's campaign and Clinton's. I mean, yeah, he had a lot of the cuck shit that the Clinton's campaign had, but he just seems like a more reasonable dude. He, he seems he, he seems way more like a... I think this is a whole difference. Like, the, the difference between the 2016 election with Trump was kind of just like, that guy's funny, but I'm scared of him. And then it was kind of like with Clinton, it was like, oh, fuck, Hillary Clinton. That was the first thought that you had. When it came to Biden, you were kind of like, he's got dementia, but that's kind of funny. And, <laughs> and you know what happened? Trump lost his charisma. He became really petulant mm. and angry. He wasn't funny in the way he was in 2016. But no. um, that's leaders. But if you're trying to influence people from, say, a grassroots movement, you know, if you're going to annoy them and if you're going to sort of catastrophize everything, even if your mind, if you, if you think, all right, if we don't do this in 10 years, if we don't do this in 20 years, the world is going to end or, uh, you know, my people or my livelihood is at stake. I don't think that's a good way to think, first of all, but also you're not going to appeal to anyone. That will rub off and they'll be like, oh, who the fuck is this cunt? You'll, they'll, 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 you'll come across as just a deranged activist. When really you want to just seem friendly and you want to seem like the sort of person that people can get along with. Yeah. Because people um, respond a lot better to character more than they do policy, mm, especially mm. for, say, apolitical people in the center and swing voters. They, I think, again, I don't, I don't have any data to back this up, but I'm just speculating here. They're probably going to look at two candidates or, a, you know, an activist movement like this and think, does this seem reasonable? Yeah, they make some good points. They're not telling me I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, I'll get on board. Fuck, mm. like, I think it's that simple, actually. You've got to get out of the activist mind. Yeah. you got to just not take it as seriously as you think it is. Yeah, <laughs> In yeah, a weird way. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But uh, look, again, I'm not I'm not the average voter. Don't take this as some sort of divine truth. No, but I think you are right. It's definitely that. It's just like, yeah, no no one thinks about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, because most people have lives. Yes, And they're just exactly. getting on with their day. And then if you just come in and you're just like, you're a bad person for the following reasons. Like, obviously, you're just going to fuck off. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it, right? If if most people are just working their nine to five, probably longer hours than that, they're just working their normal job. They're not very politically informed. And look, if there is a propaganda model out there, which you've made very convincing arguments that there is, then they're probably their, their mind has been inf- infiltrated by that. So you got to understand that. And if you start telling people, or oh, you've just been duped, you're stupid, that probably doesn't resonate with them either don't you think so like oh yeah definitely no no religion for example if you say like oh you're stupid you just believe this you know you've been brainwashed people oh fuck off that's pretty much it it's just like no one on earth likes being wrong i think that that's pretty much it as as if if you want to effectively change people's votes you start up that common sense brigade because you're just like hey your worldview is completely correct here's a new little piece of information according to you that you won't like mm. <laughs> that's how it works it's just like you you should just be enforcing in people's minds that they're right and you know what the average person on a lot of things pretty much is like you look at the average polls of virtually every issue like they are all common chinch yeah and that's the way the way that campaigns work so effectively like say the liberals for instance in the last election to neutralize climate change because like 70 percent of the population or close to 80 percent of them want like action on climate change they don't sit there and they're just like do what they actually do just be like man fuck climate change i don't give a shit about that they don't say that they come out and they're like we have a very comprehensive plan in place we've got the clean energy act and like they they just come up with words that are just like Mm. assuage people to think like no we are doing something you know there was a clear messaging difference say from uh trump in 2016 on climate change compared to the liberals in 2019 because what was trump was like i'm getting out of the paris accord it's all a lie from china oh yeah yeah, yeah. whereas liberals were like no we'll stick to the paris accord we are going to do it but just not to the detriment of uh business in australia yeah which would have resonated with a lot more people but the thing is in the u.s because there is just that huge echo chamber in the US of like, you know, the alternate media that I think actually has more numbers than the actual media of just like your Rush Limbaugh's and stuff like that, that are constantly shitting on climate change and how it's not a thing. He's able to get away with that message. And on top of that, he doesn't have to appeal to the entire electorate. Mm. He's just trying to get that energized base. So Mm. it is actually better for his messaging to just be like, it's a hoax. But here, yeah, you have to sit there and just be like, no, we have a very reasonable measured response to climate change. Like, that's yeah. that's the difference, right? So I think that you should just be taking those pieces when you are looking into this stuff. Like, if you are trying to influence a bunch of loggers, for instance... Go and talk to them first, actually. Go and actually get to know the sort of people that you're trying damn, to influence. Because yeah, you're usually in a social... If you're interested in politics or whatever it is that you're very interested in if you're a politics nerd you probably only interact with other people who are politics nerds and you get a very skewed perception of what the average person thinks the only uh comparable example that relates to me i can think of is there are these comedy rooms out there that are full of comedians and now comedians coming up in sydney 
they do two, three years just performing at these comedy rooms to comedians. And what comedians think funny is very different to what the average person thinks is funny. Yeah. In fact, it's the opposite to it. So yeah. then yeah. Yeah. They, they, they do really well at these comedian-only rooms and they get to a normal comedy room and they fucking suck. Mm. Because they don't know how to relate to the average punter in the same way. If you're just in these anti-comedy, exactly. If you're just in these political activist groups, you've got a very skewed idea of how the populace thinks. Now, there's Mm. not the Australian population is not completely homogenous. There's different groups here and there. You're not going to ever appease everyone, but I would recommend before you even start an activist group. And this is a someone, look, I don't, I don't know too much about politics, but just human psychology, right? Go out there and, and, and talk to people who are not in your class, who are not in your social circles, not in your usual demographic. Just go to your local and just chat to the guys there. Mm. See what they think. See mm. how they talk and mm. see how they feel and, mm. and do it without judgment. Just listen. And then you'll get a better picture of what they value. It comes down to something we spoke about in a few podcasts a few months ago, right? Which was you want to convince them on their metrics of value. So if they value certain things, you want to mold your message to conform to those same values. You don't want to compromise what you actually believe in. Don't lie just for the sake of votes. But um, you want to be able to change the communication so that your values align with the sort of people you're trying to persuade. Mm. Mm. And that's what you did so well with the Common Sense Brigade. Well, there's two things to it. It's just like, I hate how they're always saying this. They're always trying to run this thing. Politicians are always saying like, we're running a positive campaign. Positive doesn't work. You go negative every time. Um, but the thing is, as you were saying, like just, just morph it around the things that they care about. There's always going to be something that you can like spin the narrative to that isn't even lying. It's just like the whole thing about like how the press works and how campaigns work. It's not about lying. It's actually just about drawing focus. Now, they might be massaging the truth, for instance, like uh, I guess like the classic example with the liberals in the last election was just sitting there being like Bill Shorten's housing tax. I mean, he's putting a tax back that used to be there before it was cut. So I suppose it is a tax, mm. but they're drawing attention to that fact. Whereas like the other ones, the, the others, they did a terrible job of like deflecting it. Not that it would have mattered anyway, but like, you know, if you were saying that like you were getting rid of franking credits or something like that, you would just be drawing attention to the fact that you are just like taking money, like, like uh, you're stopping like welfare to bankers or something like that. It's like just like changing a few words around to make the same message. Yeah, if they had said something like, you know, everyone's going to have a fair go, that would be better messaging than whatever they were saying, which was the top end of town thing. Yeah. Because the top end of town isn't, that's more relevant in America when Bernie Sanders talks about the 1%. In Australia, the disparity is not as pronounced. So there's a lot of middle, even working class people who have two, three investment properties. And then when they hear a party saying top end of town, and then that's mixed in with messaging about a housing tax, they're going to think, well, hang on a minute. I'm not the fucking top end of town. 
Yeah. So they get scared. I think that actually was something that um that Joe Biden did like particularly well. So I suppose that's that actually might be okay. So let's just make this a little more nuanced now that I think about it. Yeah, obviously when you're talking about your opponent, all you want to be doing is attacking. Donald Trump did this to to a fine art, but Joe Biden was a lot better at it than Hillary Clinton as well. So for instance, every time Joe Biden was talking about climate change. He wouldn't be sitting there just being like, we we have to act now. The world's de- like disintegrating and stuff like that. He's just like, I'm talking about jobs here, Jack. We're going to create millions of well-paying jobs. It's going to be great. Like that was the point that he was drawing attention to. Yeah. So obviously like when you're campaigning, effective. you have to just talk about it like from your thing. But yeah, the framing really matters. It actually like, I, I don't know, like, because this is the whole thing. I'm not a great campaigner. I'm just a loud mouth. But these things are definitely true. Like, if you're campaigning, you should be talking about things from your perspective as being really positive, but you should only be bringing those things up if you're getting directly attacked. So you can just reframe it in people's minds and just be like, this this isn't about destroying the economy. This is going to create jobs, you know, like that. But if you are, but most of the time, and this is how like they won in the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers, they just sat there and just like mercilessly attacked their opponent. Just kept going for it. That's what Trump did so effectively in 2016. And I think everybody was saying this afterwards about Trump's campaign as well. It just, it didn't hit as hard with Biden. And you know what the fuck that was? That was definitely the fact that he was in Washington for the last four years. And that's just what happens. I know that it happens to me. There's like, the bigger you get, the more people come into your ears and they're like, you can't say this, you can't say that. If you say this, then you'll piss these people off. And they're not wrong. But what happens is you dull that product that was so successful in 2016, which is just, he was just this merciless killer. Like he just went out there every day and just said like, just such negative things about Hillary Clinton day in, day out, just hitting her over and over Mm. again. Whereas when it came to Biden, like there was a lot more Washington speak in what happened to him. Like, Mm. and I don't think that there's a way around it. I mean, Trump still, there was, he's still Trump. He's still there, but it it was just not that same magic that was there in 2016. No, but the fact that it was still so close considering all those variables is incredible. Is incredible. Um, And like, yeah, I think that like, and also, but the thing was that it was definitely offset by having Biden there in the sense that he is just like a a lot less hateable. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, so yeah, when when it comes to you doing those things, just I, I think that that's like... Really, I remember just talking to my friend about it uh, and, and he was just saying that like the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers did it really good because they did it on like a zero budget. They took a seat. This is like pretty much unheard of, like a safe seat, safe seat for like 50 years. But a 16% swing in one term. I mean, my God, that that is phenomenal movement mm. that happened there. It's now a safe seat for the Shooters, Fishers. It's incredible. Um, but their whole strategy was just to sit there because this is the thing that like the Labor Party is always doing of just being like, we're running a positive campaign. We're putting our ideas to the people. Don't do that. Just sit there and be like, what the fuck's this all about? Oh, what are they doing now? Oh, that's fucked. Fuck that. Stop trying to get those 20-year-old white girls back from the Greens. All right, they're gone. They are. Just they appeal are. to your base. 
Well, this is actually like Joel Fitzgibbon's actual point. workers of Australia. Yeah, that's that's Joel Fitzgibbon's point. And I actually do kind of agree with him. He just he just moved off from the front bench. He's the one that's always causing trouble in the Labor Party because it's like called Cole Fitzgibbon. So it's like, yeah, dude, he, he fucking represents Cessnock. Of course, he's going to sit there and say Cole's mad. But I've talked to him and like his points are like completely rational about like Labor's stance on climate change. But he's always making that point, which is just like, dude, surrender those inner city seats to the greens don't worry about it just win back like suburban australia that's where the there's winds more seats. are there's and there's more just seats more there. of a population there it's more of a population but because most of those people in canberra and in the media are that demographic i think they're actually in a bubble there yeah and and i'd imagine yeah. people in activism in political activism are more like the yeah you're in the city types but no one actually talks this is such a Sky News talking point, but it's so true. Like, no one understands the real Australian. <laughs> and it's true. It is true. Because you usually, you just picture some bogan saying that. But it, uh, honestly, just anyone who's middle class and lives in the suburbs, <laughs> they probably feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, what else, before we wrap this podcast up, is there anything he can... Starting something early, I feel like I knew how to get started Potential fallback with going public, risking your livelihood. Well, look, that's the other beauty of the internet. You don't have to necessarily put your uh, you, yourself out there if it's all memes. I also, that- uh, you don't need money. This goes for anything that's being started on the internet. You don't. Need, you need zero investment. Look, you, if you're going to do podcasts or if you're going to Put your face to it. Yeah, you might need some basic equipment, but... If you want to remain anonymous, you can do that. Yeah. I think that you can actually be less powerful. Like, look, the thing about having a face is you get more influence because you're just more trustworthy by the fact that you're a human being that's there. You also receive a lot of the fucking cop-outs for it. But it's just near a truer statement has been made than the future belongs to the risk-takers. And putting your face out there is a risk, but I think that if you did it, you would be making some kind of revenue from it eventually. Uh, and I think that that's just the way that life works is like you can sit there and think about all of the risks that you will be taking by losing income or whatever. You're going to have to weigh that up in your own life. But I'm a huge proponent every time of going for the risk. There's really not that ba- much bad. Like, what what is the worst thing that happens to me? There's just like, oh my god, the same four hundred people that are pissed off at me on Twitter are pissed off at me again. Or like, oh no, that an article was written about me that I can just sit there and rebuke and get a lot of views from. It's like there's there's really like the risks don't actually happen. <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. like, like life just keeps moving on unless you get politically assassinated, which I highly doubt will happen in Tasmania. <laughs> don't give in to the mob. Don't give in to the mob. If you're if you're apologizing for everything, they'll sense weakness. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the left mob or the right mob. Just to, if, if you're going to be doing political activism in Tasmania, there will be people that disagree with you and they'll come after you. And they might be saying things about you and say uh, pretty negative things. Don't don't give in. Don't count out to it. No, I think that this is Go always... A, yes. This is what... We're praising Trump so much in this, but he does deserve praise. He is one of the most effective campaigners in human history. And the fact that he lost in 2020 is no rebuke of that. Certainly no rebuke. Like everything was really stacked against that guy and he just pushed through with perseverance. 
But I think that like uh, I think the thing that he identified that is always a thing in Washington of like, oh no, this journalist hates me or whatever is like, dude, any attention is better than no attention. Negative attention is just an energy. Negative attention means that you're doing something right. It means that you have enemies. And so mm. obviously, if you are going to be an activist, you are not really being an activist until you start getting like a lot of negative attention. That's just the there part of the territory. You do just have to develop that strong mind there. I, I like that just happens to me on a daily basis now. And like, it's just, it's water off a duck's back at this point. I never thought that that was actually true when politicians said that you get like a thick skin in politics. I used to always think because like, for the first four years or whatever, I just be like, oh god, a negative article, one negative article, can't handle that. It's not like that anymore. It really is just like, Ugh, same days, different shit. Like, yeah, and you, and you need to get into that. Headset. What's even better than just ignoring it is uh, spinning the narrative to your favor, right? So I used to hate getting any even tweets um, telling me this isn't funny or like this is bad comedy or this is racist or whatever now i screenshot any bad tweets i get post it on my instagram story and and just say stuff like yeah you know you're doing good comedy when like twitter lefties hate you yeah (laughs) well it's true and it's true yeah um that's yeah like i i really really shunned it because this is the whole thing as well those people the people that are constantly doing that as well joyless people joyless people that like just like their their immediate instinct is like how do i shuck the fun out of this situation is that really worth listening to you don't want to be dragged into that shit because Mm. i know that this actually happens as well so that's just what happens on twitter now you just don't even look at it because it's just going to be the same people that do the same thing every time which is like they have a negative headspace and they are obviously just exerting that energy out and you get drawn into it. So don't even yeah. bother going there. Mm. Yeah, I'm actually considering just deleting my Twitter. It's probably a good idea. I mean, Twitter is definitely the worst platform. That I, and Reddit. I hate both of them so much. I can't imagine that's good. For, look, I've got 12,000 followers on Twitter. and You can do without that. Yeah. All the others, I have at least 100,000. Um, it's addictive. I retweet a lot of um, black conservatives, but on cultural issues mainly. Only on cultural issues. Who's that, what, that uh, old guy? <laughs> I retweet Thomas Sowell. I retweet... Thomas Sowell, uh, that's it. There's a few others in that sort of... What, that young Sam Obama. Harris, Coleman Hughes, uh, that sort of space. What Do you, do you like Quillette? You, you probably wouldn't Who like. the fuck's that? Oh, they're a publication that started in Australia and they do articles that are... I think they're your classic, economically right, culturally left. I like their cultural commentary. I don't know what they. I haven't really looked at them for any specific politicals. It's a, it's a global audience, so I don't think they deal with Australian politics. But I've never even heard of them. I like some of them, although they do have a bit of a pretentious vibe to them occasionally. I mean, it does sound it with Colette. Yeah, and it would be in italics, wouldn't it? Yes, but I do like it, um, and. Yeah. Anyway, I the point is I could probably do without Twitter, but I digress. Um Well there you go. I guess the Jordan's got it on the hit the nail on the head. You wanna the the front lines of 
activism and swaying people's political opinions is online. It's not in the streets. No. So that's where you start. Understand what people value and what they respond to online. So it, it, it would be worthwhile looking at other online political groups in Tasmania and getting a feel for what they do, maybe what they do effectively and also ineffectively and taking things, strategies that they do well, but also adapting it to um, your message and relating it to the sort of people you want to appeal to. Hmm. That's it. Common Sense Brigade. This is Common Sense Brigade, but just I think this is the great creed of it. Everyone just wants to be right. Remember that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, um, we'll wrap that one up there. Thank you for the topic, Adam. Thank you for the subscription as well. If you want Jordan and I to do a podcast on your topic, you can subscribe at neilkalhacker.com slash podcasts. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes if you Apple iTunes what Apple Podcast app if you haven't. Uh, just an announcement: we will be skipping the last Sunday of December and the first Sunday of January, so no podcasts will be released last Sunday of December and first Sunday of January. But we'll be back to it second Sunday of January. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for being with us all this time.